Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to The Honest by Veta Head, a fun and irreverent podcast revealing the unique human experiences, using the veterinary world as an excuse to talk to fascinating people. I am Lila Proenza, and today I had the real pleasure to talk to a fantastic person, Dr. Miranda Sadar. I was so excited and nervous at the same time. Miranda is not only an exceptional professional, She's also, and foremost, a marvelous human being. What a delight. She was so kind to share her journey, her childhood. I even found out she was a kid entrepreneur. The conversation was so rich. We even talked about gender equality, the choice of not having kids, waxing. I mean, you need to hear to believe it. It was a real treat, and I am sure you are going to love it as much as I did. Without further ado, Dr. Miranda Sadar. Hello, hello, hello friend. Welcome <laughs> to you. the first that I have podcast. <laughs> I have with me Miranda Sadar, Dr. Miranda Sadar. She is an amazing, accomplished woman. She is a diplomat of the American College of Zoological Medicine. Um, she is an assistant professor at CSU. Yep, Colorado State. Colorado yep. State, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about career, about challenges, about life, whatever we want to talk about today. Yeah. So first question, for you that don't know, you're here drinking... Um, Red wine, and as my husband says, she's drinking <laughs> toilet toilet beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> she's but using a very special cup today. We were addressing a little bit, but I like to start by asking, how did we meet? Do you remember how we met? Yes. <laughs> okay, I have partial memories yes. about that. Okay, <laughs> but you won't remember. I've how been we serious. Met. Yes, I am serious. All right. Okay. So I, okay. it was when I was in my fellowship at the Wildlife Center of Virginia. Okay. And I took an endoscopy course, and you were one of the instructors for it. And that was the first time that we met. Really? Did I interact with you? Yes, you did. Was I nice? You were very nice. I was nice? Yes. You were. so sweet. (laughs) And you were very excited about all the things. I was? (laughs) Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I am never going to be like her. That is, she's, like, so amazing and so good at endoscopy. I'm a great actor. Great actor. Mm-hmm. My yeah. sister's an actor. Totally. I've been serious. That's all. Yeah. okay. And I that thought we in... had met on um, Vegas and that. Um... That was the second time that we met. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, the first time was in Georgia. What year was that? 2012, I think. Wow. I was there as a visitor, I think. Yeah, you were. 2012? Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like February-ish 2012. Oh, wow, that's great. Or January, something like that. Yeah. And then we met again in Vegas for that uh, wet lab in tortoises, Mm -hmm. right? It may have been 2011, actually. 2011? Yeah, 2011 or 2012. So that was when I met Steven, my husband, 2011. Really? No, no, no. 2011, I took the course. Yeah. Oh. So 2012, a year after. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I was a baby. Yeah, me too. Um, So talking about courses, tell us a little bit about your career because I feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but um, I think today you are a person that others look 
at as an example and like someone that in our world is considered a celebrity no I'm being serious like whoa, whoa. if you look back <laughs> when you were studying and you look at the people that were diplomats and they they were in positions you wanted to be you are one of them now and people sure. look at you like that and so I think it's easy to look at you today like a student and think that I can never be that person or mm -hmm. it was so easy but how can I get there like you know I don't have her whatever it is that people think that is special about people that are doing what they want doing to do. It. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's easy for people to, to forget the challenges and sacrifices that mm -hmm. we all make in, I think, all professions. Yeah. It's very easy. But um, how many diplomats in zoological medicine are there? 200-something in the world? Yep. Yeah, they had just put out the numbers, and it is around around 200. I think it's just maybe under, but that was before the test. So yeah, around 200. Around 200. Yep. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? You are one of the 200 yeah. in the world. In the whole planet. In the whole planet. Yeah, and That's, you are too. <laughs> I know. I'm the first South America and only. <laughs> I think it's, it's crazy, but like yeah. if you think like that and what that represents. Yeah. So where do you... I know you told me this story already, but I think it's like the sweetest story ever. I don't have a story like that, which I did. But how, about your career, like how did you decide to be a veterinarian? Um, I decided at the age of three that I wanted to be a veterinarian. And we had goats when I was little. Um, I was allergic to cow's milk when I was young. And so my mother decided that she was going to raise goats. Oh and get goat's milk um, and so that I could have something to drink. And with that, we raised them and bred them, obviously, to get milk. And so there was a really snowy night, and my mom... Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Where was that? Oh, Colorado. Colorado, yes. okay. Grew up in Colorado. Okay. And we had a very snowy night. Um, my brother, who is three years older than I am, my older brother, um, was with me. So I was three, he was six. And my mom went out, and the mother goat was having her kids. She was kidding. And brought in... Wait, a, a mama goat having kids is called kidding? Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a sweet story. But I can't do Why did you say that? Okay. And oh so my mom brought in two of the kids, and one was doing well, and she put that one on the floor with my brother to kind of rub it with a towel to kind of warm it up. And then the other one was not doing as well and needed to be warmed to, like, more extreme measures. So she filled up the kitchen sink with warm water and put a little step stool by the sink and had me stand on it. And then she said, okay, you need to hold this little goat's head above water um, and just sit here. And, like, that is your job. And if you don't do your job well, this baby could die. And I was so scared and it was like this little life was in my hands. And so I just sat there and held it and held it and held it. And it's like probably my first memory. You was were just three? That. Mm -hmm. And you remember that? Yep. It's my first memory. Yeah. And then my mom went out and helped the mother goat and came back in. And that little goat, I'm pretty sure was fine. I didn't hear otherwise. So my mom may have protected me. I'm not sure. But yeah. And then I decided that I wanted to be a vet because I thought my mom was a vet. She was not, but. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So was the day I decided. And uh, what was the goat's name? I have no idea. You didn't name it? I don't know. Okay. Maybe I Maybe did. Maybe it did. It was something like Fluffy or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that is the sweetest story because I don't have any of that. Like, 
I don't have memories of my childhood to start with, and I don't know if that might even be, like, I don't know, my brain trying to protect me, but I have flashbacks that sometimes I don't know if they are things that you invent, like you see a picture and, right. like, you know what I mean? Yes, like, you totally. invent memories. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just remember that I wanted to be a vet. I, don't, I didn't have a moment, and were you, like, the type of person that would get animals on the street and take care of them? Well, I grew up on a farm, so I didn't really have streets to go out and get animals they were just all at home already <laughs> but would you bring them inside or would you do like go to extremes you know what I mean like the stereotypical veterinarian that yeah. would take care of everything under the sun like were you like that um I guess not really because I I would take care of the animals that we already had so I had my bunny that I really loved you so had a bunny well. mm -hmm. yes because we raised rabbits and then, oh yeah, you told me. And then we raised guinea pigs, yeah. and we had chickens. Oh, yeah, you told me, but for meat, right? Mm -hmm. Or what was it? Okay. Yeah, the guinea pigs were. I'm not really actually sure exactly where the guinea pigs went. I'm assuming for like pet stores and stuff, but I don't actually oh, remember. Wow. And then the rabbits were for meat. The chickens were for meat and eggs. The goats were for milk. And then we had a dairy. My grandparents lived on the property as well, and they had a dairy. So were cows, you, so. Um, your mom and your grandparents all in the same? Mm -hmm. And my aunt and uncle. Oh, yep. that's so did you live in different houses? Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, yep. that's on, so like, cool. On like the same little property. Yep. Do you, like, until what age did you live there? Um, seven. Wow, pretty, yeah. pretty far. Yeah. And that is like in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's a little place called Hygiene. Hygiene? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yep. And then from there, you pretty much decided I'm going to be a vet. Yep. And when did Zoomad came to your um, I radar? think Yeah, I think I'd always been interested in non-traditional species. So to raise money for vet school, my mom told me that I needed to get a job when I was eight. And so <laughs> I decided, because <laughs> vet school's expensive, uh -huh. and we didn't have a lot of money. Uh -huh. And so she said, well, you're going to need to get a job. And so I decided that I would raise gerbils and sell them to pet stores, you know, for pets. And then I would raise money for vet school. And, and did so you? I did. Yes, I did definitely did not pay for vet school <laughs> with my gerbil money. But <laughs> I did have that. But did you use any for vet yeah, school? Yeah, totally. You, you did? Yeah, of You course. didn't spend that money? No. I mean, I had to spend but some you know, of it to, like... Of course, everybody spends money. Yeah. Like, they see it. But you I didn't mean, buy a bike or... No. I was... I had to be good. <laughs> I oh, mean, I'm sure wow. I spent some of it along the way. But then, Like, would you care to share kind of a magnitude of what you raised? Oh, gosh. I w couldn't even tell you. I have no idea. Oh, I can't Well, for remember. a kid, that, that's a lot. Like, oh, yeah. Like, anything. Yeah. And I think, depending on the pet store, I got anywhere from, like, $2, I think, to, like, $3, maybe three fifty per gerbil. And I had 10 pairs of gerbils. So you would go to the store and negotiate yourself? Well, you my would have mom, your mom would, she would oh, go with so me. Little. Yeah, yes. so little. And then I would come with my little box of baby gerbils. Yes. And I would play with all of them because I was oh, a kid. Oh, that's so. adorable. I had no, yeah. that I didn't know about mm -hmm. you. And then I graduated to guinea pigs after that. And then Look I at you. guinea pigs. <laughs> so for those out there, I call her the guinea pig king, queen. She is like amazing with guinea, pig, guinea pigs and has a lot of research with guinea pigs. Um, guinea pigs. Yeah, Dr. Sadai is not only a veterinarian, but a scientist, which is <laughs> awesome. Seriously, you are a scientist. Yeah, all you the research. You put science out there, yeah. yeah. So you, oh my God, the gerbil box. And then you went to guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you didn't spend any of that money. I mean, again, I'm sure I spent some of it. Did you reinvest that money on your business? Um, you had a business, you I know did. that? I had a little tiny business. Yeah. Oh my 
Goodness. So I would use my money to, like, you know, buy their food and their bedding and enclosures and, you know, stuff like that. And did you did you have, like, a little notebook or mm-hmm. something? Oh, yes. My mom had me do all of my budget. And That's amazing. What I would get and all the things, yes. Would your brothers or siblings help you at all? No, not really. It was, like, it was my thing. So, yeah. And I did that up through a portion of high school and then... I was like, oh, I got to prep for college. <laughs> so. so you kept the, the thing going until before college? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> you really determined. So you went from gerbils to guinea pigs and yep. what? That's it. And that's it. And then you had the guinea pigs. And How many guinea pigs did you have? Um, I had seven females and three males. And dystocia? No. No, I mean, not that I remember. See, like how we started know. this stuff. It's like, okay. And um, dystocia for who? People that, that don't know, it's like when you have problems having babies, yeah. so, uh, which is fairly common in guinea pigs. They're young. Um, yeah. Wow. But I bred mine pretty young, too. Yeah, okay. So that I am, sorry. Yeah, they are, they older. Are fine, yeah. older. That's so cool. So you went to... I can't believe that. So I had um, hamsters, like the Chinese huh? hamsters, yeah. growing up, because I decided that I was going to have a business. And I was like, well, I was looking, and they reproduce so fast and have so many babies. So I decided that... I was gonna have them, so I think I bought two pairs, and my boyfriend and I at the time had this business together, and they were in my room, of course, <laughs> and the first time the mama hamster had babies, she ate all of them. Yep. And to me, that was like, what? So devastating, I'm and sure. I was horrified, because <laughs> I saw her doing it. Oh my god. I was horrified. <laughs> like, I couldn't find some, and I was like, what's happening? Oh. And I was probably... I was not that young. I was probably like 18. And I was like, this is going to be the easiest money ever because they have so many babies, right? Yeah. And so the first time, I, I mean, I was like, where are them? Where are them? I'm like, what happened? What happened? And then I saw her eating. Ah. Yeah. And so, yeah, my dream, like, crushed. That was crushed right there. Right there. <laughs> yeah, but my dream was crushed right away. I had I had many animals growing up, uh, but I probably was the same growing up for you. Like, where I grew up, my parents didn't really... Like, we had animals to protect the house. The animals were not inside of the house. Yeah. So we had dogs, but they were, like, to guard the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a huge Grand Dane, which was, like, the silliest dog I had. But he was big, so, like, people would be scared of him. But yeah. he was, like... Such a nice dog. Oh, my God. The goofiest, silliest mm. dog ever. Um, Lamarck was his name. But I never had this very close relationship with an animal, like, today I have with my dogs inside of the house. I yeah. never had that. And I don't know why I decided to be a vet. But did you go to vet school already knowing you wanted to work with Zumad? Um, I had an inkling that I did because I just really liked the different species. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I volunteered and then worked at a small animal clinic that just did dogs and cats. And I started what there. Age that? I started there when I was 15 and I just kind of volunteered. And then as I got older, then they hired me, and I worked there until I graduated from As a tech? School. As an assistant? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then when I graduated vet school, then I stopped working there because I moved away. <laughs> so. That was still Colorado. Mm-hmm. You went to school to CSU, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so... vet school, yeah. And so you, in the United States, you need to do an undergrad first, and then... What did you do undergrad? At Colorado, Colorado. State as well. And yeah. then you go... So in Brazil, you go straight from high school to vet to school. To vet school. And it's five years? It's five years. Yeah. yeah. Which I honestly 
think is too early for someone to choose for a, a career. For a lot of people to decide, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, for some people they know, but some people don't know. I was 17 know. when yeah. I started. 17, yeah. like your child. Right? Yeah. And, but I, I went to work with horses. I rode horses my entire life. Horses are my passion. And I was like, I want to be a horse vet. Yeah. But the first semester at vet school, some reason, I also don't know why I switched to Zoomed. Yeah. I have no idea why. And if people ask me, and I don't have like a romantic story to tell. Yeah, yeah. I should it just somewhere up. happened, yeah. <laughs> and so how, how did Zoomed happen to you? Um, I had been interested in kind of non-traditional type species. And then when I was... 18, 19, one of the people that I worked with, one of my bosses, he gave me my Russian tortoise, one of my Russian tortoises. Leopold. That you have now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, um, and that kind of was like, yes, okay, I love I'm, I'm going to do this. And this is what I want to end up doing someday is, you know, work with. And what did people tell you when you said that you wanted to work with Zoomed, also known as exotic animals? Yeah. What did you do? Um... For the most part, for me, ZooMed was um, kind of general kind of zoological species that are in a zoo or wildlife. I wasn't super interested in the pet side at that time. And I didn't really talk to a lot of people about it because I didn't really know what was available and opportunities. So I really just talked to the two people that I worked with, mm-hmm. you know, at my at the clinic at the in Johnstown. And they were like, oh, you know, maybe you can talk to one of my friends or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really, I didn't have anyone telling me that I really, like, couldn't, I guess. Like, they weren't like, oh, yeah, definitely you can do it. But they were just like, well, it might be a thing, you know, to consider, you know, because they didn't, I don't think that they knew, like, how competitive it was and how hard it can be and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things. So. I didn't really have that bias about it that's when amazing. I went into vet school. That's amazing. But. For me, it was always like, you're going to starve. That's not a thing. That's yeah. not a possibility. And knowing my personality now, I think if it wasn't for that, maybe I wouldn't have pursued it. Because, mm. you know, if you tell me I can't do something, then, then I'll be like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Watch Challenge. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it comes too easy sometimes... Do you have this impression sometimes that things are going really well and that something horrible is going to happen? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, you, you're yes. waiting for it? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I'm still waiting for ACCM to send me a letter saying, sorry, I'm mistake. <laughs> 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 you actually need to take the test. Yeah, I didn't say that. I want to talk about that, like, wh- how, how it is, what does it take to take that. But, like, tell your mom. Like, when you had your business, your first business, what did she tell you? Did she encourage you? Did she discourage you? Like, no. What did she... She was very encouraging. She said, I want to have gerbils. What did she say? What, she, like, she, I, and I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it was kind of like, I don't know what job to have. And then she used to raise, um, she used to raise gerbils um, when I was a kid. So, and then she also raised canaries when I was a kid as well for pet stores and so it just seemed she was like maybe you could do that or I came up with I don't know one of the two of us decided like yeah how about your siblings what do they do um my older brother is an electrical engineer and then my younger brother does like a smattering of jobs so right now anything animal related no neither of them what does mom do now um she works at an excavation company Mom is super interesting. What? Yeah. What does she, she do? Really is. Oh my She's god! What mom's name? What is your mom's name? Deb. Deb. Yeah. Deb. <laughs> you 
Badass. So tell me about. It. So wait, did Dad like? Did your mom run this whole business alone? Um. So she like now or then? No, Dan. Like yeah. all the Zen. Yeah, I mean she and did, raised yeah. you and your siblings. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just my older brother and I. Yeah. My younger brother's technically a stepbrother, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Badass dab. Yeah, she's yeah, she's a tough lady. No, can you think about it? Like, yeah, so many years ago. Yeah, not that many. We have barely like, twenty-two. Yeah, totally, but like, yeah. we're super young. I know. I can barely drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just got my license. Yeah. My license. I get carded all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but don't think about this, Miranda. Like your mom was. How old was your mom when you? She was 22 when she had my older brother and then 25 when she had me. Miranda, can you think about that? I know. 25 with yeah. two kids running a business. Yeah, I know. She's so funny. Holy shit. I don't know if I can curse on a podcast. It's fine. <laughs> I don't care. You could just be bleeped. Think about that. So you... Okay, and growing up, was there some like were you guys treated equally, like in terms of what you could do or not do? Like, yeah, my mom had said that she had wanted to be a veterinarian, and she was a bit discouraged to do that, you know, just because of the times and like math and science or it know, was a male things. predominant male uh, field yeah, by that back time. then. Yeah. yeah, and so for me, she just said you can do kind of whatever you want, and never depend on anybody to like take care of you um especially a man <laughs> and, i love that i need yeah. to meet that are you, you kidding do. me oh my you can bring her out i totally <laughs> i totally should i should have something like moms and and like the profession and then their, mo and right? their mom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I bet i can find out a lot about you huh oh for sure Ooh, watch out so um so she encourages told you to be anything you wanted and not depend on it that's funny because I have some members of that. My mom always worked. Yeah. Um, and I think my mom always, um, like, made more money than my father. And yeah. I remember all of that. And um, my mom and my grandma, which I love to death, like, my grandma is my favorite person in the world. They were never the stereotypical mom and grandmas, you know? Yeah. Like, the ones that cook for you when you're sick and all of that. I mean, oh, they took care of me, yes. but not like, you know Mine what I mean? Neither. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I'm sick. And she'd be like, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> I'd be like, I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> But I remember my father when, uh, so in Brazil, you can only drive when you're 18. Yeah. And he gave me a car. My mom and my father gave me a car. And I remember he gave me the key. It was a very simple car, which is probably smart. Um, and he gave me the key. And he said, it's yours with one condition. And I was like, what is that? If you can change the tire. <gasps> yes. And I was like, what? It's very practical. Because back then, there were no cell phones. Yeah. Okay, so if you are in the middle Eons of nowhere. Ago. So long ago. If you're in the middle. So I have my record player in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had CDs back then. But, no, but it was, I, it's, no, you my didn't car have, didn't have CDs. I was it like, was you the did tape, not. The, the yes. cassette tapes. Yeah. But oh, no, and I have New Kids no on the Block. The New Kids on the Block was a double tape. Yeah. No, but that, I was younger with that. But I, I digress. But the point is, he made me change the tire because he said, you cannot drive if you can't, if you're going to depend on other people to do that yep. for you because special in Brazil is not as safe. So he was like, if you're in the middle of the street, you need to be able to change the tire and yep. leave. Yeah, that's how like I you was can't too. You can't wait for someone. I remember I was so mad. 
I was so mad at him because he actually he did something because the, the tire was flat. Like, I couldn't leave if I wanted to. He made me change it. And I was like, oh, I can't believe it. But thinking back, I think this, like, and I remember things too, like, growing up, my parents would say something, like, let's say I want to go to the doctor. Well, call his schedule. Like, yeah. like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, you know, of course I was bigger, not like a yeah. child. But yeah. I remember those things and like, I remember seeing my friends' moms, they would make their lunchbox and things like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, but I think that made me who I am today. You know, like that, and that's great. Like, that's awesome about your mom. Like, that must have been so hard. Like, so hard yeah. for her to. She's, yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you okay? I still can't believe you didn't spend your money. Oh, I forgot. I can't put the glass there. Um. So you, so you had your money. And did you really use that for vet school? I used, well, yeah, I mean, as much as I could. I know, but like... But, yeah. That's a door. Okay, so you went to vet school. Mm-hmm. And then vet school, you already knew you wanted you wanted to do Zoomed. Yep. And then what, what next? What came next? Um, I went to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in Canada and did an internship in zoo. Was it easy to get? Like, what? So I was convinced that I couldn't do an internship. And that I would never get one because I, you know, potentially didn't have enough experience. I wasn't competitive enough. And so I applied to two places. Only two? Only two, yes. Because I looked at the rest of them and thought, the caseload isn't high enough. I need to get a very intense Oh, you thought about that? Yes, because I, I was like, I need to be able to get as much experience as I can. I was and like, whatever, whoever takes me, I'm going to apply for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I that was feel like very, that's what normal people do. <laughs> no, you know, I pay for that, as you know. But uh, I should have researched. I yeah. didn't. Yeah. So I had gone to do um, an externship at the Wildlife Center of Virginia as a student and loved it. And thought, you know, I could work here for free and be happy. And that was kind of... I was like, yes, this is, that means it's a good thing. And so that was actually what made me decide to apply to internships was the Wildlife Center. And so when I applied, I applied to the Wildlife Center and one other program that both of them stated that they didn't take new grads. And so they wouldn't take anyone fresh out of vet school. And I decided to apply anyway and see what happens. And I didn't get either of the positions um, I had interviews as well from a couple of programs outside of kind of the traditional, mm-hmm. you know, application mm-hmm. with the match. And then because of my contacts at the Wildlife Center, I ended up with my job at in Saskatchewan. Which so, was a year? Which was a year. Yeah. And then after that, you... Yep. Then I wanted to get a residency. I decided to apply for residencies and I did not get a residency. And so, but the Wildlife Center had a fellowship position open. And so they said, well, you're no longer a new grad and we would love for you to come out for the fellowship. So obviously I applied and interviewed and everything and I got that position and that was a two year position. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I I think that's important to mention because I think, honestly, looking at you, I, I always tell you that I wish you could see yourself through my lenses, but it seems so unachievable like where you are and what what you are that I think people look and 
and get discouraged, like thinking there's no way I'm gonna ever be like that. But I think it's so important to remember the human side of it. Like you also, like you didn't apply. Like people listen to this. Miranda Sadar did not apply for internship because she thought she wouldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that to me is mind blowing. Yeah. Like and then people get very afraid of like you know what if I don't get a job like what if I get rejected and it's like yep yeah, got rejected for my first job whatever that's fine got rejected for the second yeah, time the I applied rejection whatever is such like a huge thing and I I don't yeah. I don't have the secret to it obviously that right answer but I feel like that there's so much we don't do yeah. Because we're afraid to be rejected in, like, And then it feels like failure, you know, of like, oh, this was the pinnacle of everything I'm going to be, and now I can't. And it's like, nope, it I know. all works out fine. And we were talking about this today, but, like, now, you know, I'm 38 now, so I now look back in my life and I see that I've been through so much. I, re- I got so many no's. Yeah. I actually... The place I work today is funny. One day the medical director said, you don't get a no for answer, do you? And I that made me think, I was like, no, really, I don't. Yeah. Because n- nowadays, no's to me is just one step closer to a yes. Right, yeah. But and back when, because I'm so used to getting no's, I'm not, now I really hear no, it's like I'm not even hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that phase one, check, yeah. like, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> now we're going to start negotiating. But it wasn't like that always, right? And like. Yeah. My first, when I and again I don't remember why I decided to do Zuma. I have no recollection of why. Um, but I went to the zoo. It was the only place in my town that had anything remotely Zuma. It was a zoo. It's not really a big zoo or anything, and they wouldn't take anyone. Um, they would only take students for externships that yeah. were halfway there, like oh, on vet school. Right. And I was like on my first semester, mm-hmm. so I went there with my resume that basically had my name. Yeah, because I didn't have anything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember that like, so vividly. And I went there and I gave. I had no idea how to even submit a, a, a CV or even how to make a CV, whatever. To say make or do a CV, make. Yeah, make. So I, I went do. there okay. and I gave my CV. And the woman looked at me and said, oh, you just started vet school. I was like, yeah, yeah, wow, yes, I just did. And she was like, no, we don't take it. Like, we don't take anyone mm-hmm. that's that raw. And I was like, well, can you just can you just keep my resume? And it was like, no. Like, we, I'm telling you, we only take students that are halfway, halfway and above. Yeah. I'm like, can you just hold on to it? Like, like I, She's like, there's nothing on here. I know, I, I know. And then she, like, she really did not want to keep it. And I was like, can you just keep it? And I, I was like... Just keep the paper like I printed. And back then, think about it. Like, printing no, was a big deal. It was. You had to have the fancy paper. Yes. yes. And I even had my picture, so it was colored. Because back then, you had to put your picture on the thing. Yes. Which I feel like that's not really an American thing. But yes, Europe is. No, it's America totally inappropriate. I see that now. Yeah. But back then, that's what but the thing. And I put it, it yeah. in. Uh, you know, you need to put after taking those pictures. And, yes. all. and so, anyway, I, I think I was always very which was then characterized as annoying. And I think I was just <laughs> determined, maybe a mix of both. But, um, and you know, I was always, um, you know, my my mom would say that I was a general because I was very, like, I would tell people what to do, which to me, now, I'm a leader. Like, that's yeah. a leader trade, mm-hmm. like, right? But women back then was just like, yeah. oh, so bossy. Bossy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I get that too. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's great. When people tell me that, I was like, oh, thank God, I'm bossy. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, so anyway, I insisted, insisted, and she kept, like, she really kept it, so I would shut up. Yeah. 
um, two weeks later, she calls me and says, I cannot believe I'm calling you. That was like how she was saying hello. It's like, I can't believe I'm calling you. Okay. And then your mom's like, oh, hold on. Let me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't remember how she Calling got home. Home. But like, I can't remember. I remember this was not hello. Like this is married, whatever. No, he's like, I can't believe I'm calling you. I cannot believe I'm having to make this phone call. Yeah. But apparently... Um, all the externs canceled. There was some type of nature event, like either like oh. a, a storm or whatever it was, that everybody canceled. And so they needed help, like physical help, yes. because as you know, a lot of places have externs to be labor yes. cheap, right? Yeah. Cheap labor, sorry. And so she called me and she said that, and I was like so happy. I didn't even take into account that that was humiliating. And I was so happy. <laughs> Doesn't so even happy. matter. <laughs> so I, I, I took my lab coat. I went with a lab coat, right? white lab coat to a zoo wearing shorts oh no I have a picture actually I need to find it so it's me with like really short hair I'm wearing shorts with the lab coat I'm holding tortoises because my job was to identify them like they oh. were like thousands I don't know hundreds not thousands but I had to mark them you know yes. in the shell. that was my whole job and I had a huge smile on my face on the picture like <laughs> so anyway uh so yeah and I was thinking back I have never, I never needed my CD for my CV for a job ever. Yeah. Ever. The only time I needed was for to match. To match. Yeah. And I didn't match. Yeah. So I honestly think the CVs are bullshit. <laughs> like I never, it was always based on an opportunity that I mean I know people say you were in the right time or the right place, yes. but I really don't think it's luck. I think you put yourself there. Yeah. And all my jobs were like that. Yeah, and um, I think it's great, and I think it's so great that you were so mature to look at the programs and what they offer. Yeah, and I was very worried about the caseload and stuff too when I. Which is what you should do. Yeah, I I was just like so like I just hope someone gives me a job. Yeah, like you know, and and as you know, like I quit my residency because it was a horrible environment, but I should have done my research, and if I did, I would find out that. People have quit before me, but I just was so happy so someone happy. gave me yeah. an opportunity, but I think which is that's so, so ridiculous. Yeah. But do you think that's a women trait? Because do you feel like guys do that? Or do you think they analyze more? Um, I don't think that all of them do, but I mean, I do feel like, you know, kind of stereotypically, yes, you know, but yeah. I don't know. I think I almost treated that as like you treat boyfriends. Oh my God, he liked me. Yeah. And right? so I like, yeah. I must be I must feel, Yeah. Yeah. Because if I had looked critically, I would never have taken that job. Yeah. But anyway, I'm happy I did because, it, again, everything brought, brings you to who you are. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. But then, okay, so you went there and you got a residency in Davis, mm-hmm. which is yeah. like for everybody listening, if you're not a vet, like it's the hardest position to get is in Davis. Yeah, it is a difficult one. Oh, yeah. it's the hardest, not difficult. It's and the it's, hardest. And I decided that was the only program that I applied to so you know that we applied the same year oh no i didn't know that yeah you took you took the position oh i'm sorry no why are you sorry (laughs) i i I would never have made that no no you were the perfect (laughs) position no you're perfect uh but i found out that later i connected the dots was when we were in vegas oh yes Mm -hmm. and i was like oh okay she must have been um interviewing the same time because we were because we we finished our residency that same year yeah and so Okay, so uh, residency, mm-hmm. can you, I know it's difficult, but can you, some, so to become a specialist, basically, yeah. in the United States, you need to go through um, vet school, obviously, and yeah. then you need to do internship and 
like realistically two nowadays. Yeah, nowadays two, maybe three. Maybe three. Mm -hmm. And I already have publications, yeah. right? So scientific publications, writing an article. Yep. Uh, being published and then you like like luckily have get a position like how many positions we have what today like 15 per year oh maybe? gosh I don't even think that many it kind of depends yeah. on year but I would like, like counting less, wildlife zoo and everything yeah less than 10 every year less than, so less than 10 people per year have yeah. the opportunity to become residents yeah and then you be, you get a residency so think about like seriously think about that yeah less than 10 people per year yeah get a residency mm -hmm. And so you got a residency, and then after the residency, you need to take the test, yep. right? The College of Zoological Medicine. Yep. Um, the dreaded small yeah. test. Yeah. And then I feel like, I, I don't know about you, but I have, like, my friends from Brazil. If for, Those who haven't figured out, I'm not, I'm not American. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what? So I, all my education was in Brazil. And so you guys bear that with my accent. So we don't even have all of that structure in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So my friends that today I talk to them, they go like, oh, you're so lucky. Like, you know, like, oh, you're so lucky you're in this position. Like, they have no idea what you go through. So, yeah. so people have an idea. I know it's difficult, but like, can you try to describe what a residency is? Like in terms of not your yeah, residency, but, but like, like in, in general, general. What, what it means, like the sacrifice and the... yeah. Like, how many hours per week do you work? Like, yeah. what is that? How so, does yeah. that look like? I would say probably for the majority of the programs that there is a lot of clinical work. Often, you know, I would say probably at least 80 hours a week, if not more, that we work, depending on our on-call schedule. So, um, if we need to come in after hours or on the weekends. And then you also have to write publications, so continue to get projects or cases that you write up for scientific journals and then my program had a requirement of ideally more than one research program um, a research project I guess um, and so you have a research project and you apply for grants and then you design it and you you know kind of do the research write the paper mm -hmm. and all of that and then we also do a lot of teaching in most programs too so we but the day-to-day -day, like I know I, I don't know how it was your residency, but we needed to be there pretty early, like mm -hmm. between six thirty seven. Yep, us too. And we would leave. Yeah, at least nine, the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or something like that, and then emergencies, like no lunch, right? Like yep. you would eat a bar or something. Yeah, and um, forget to go to the bathroom. Then you'd be like, oh, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't I drink water. Hours, yeah. I would not. I wouldn't drink water, so I didn't have to go to the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. And um, and like people think that's okay. Like, I, you know, at least I did because that's stupid. But like, I even had to go on medication to yeah. be able to handle it. A lot of people do. I feel like. Yeah. I, I think like people cope in different ways. So like talking about coping, like we know that veterinary medicine, it's a heavy profession, mm -hmm. and um, even. Not in a residency. Residency is three years, right? Yep. So after these three years, at least for me, it took me three years to pass the test. Yeah. And um, it's, I don't know, it's a demoralizing experience, but at the same time, you know, now we're one of the 200, but... Yeah. Um, and you learn a lot. And you do. I, I feel really like... strong friendships and... I think that's, I think it just, I would say the only thing that was worth all of that were the friendships I made because yeah. um, 
Do you remember, like, um, when we took the test first year together, yep. like, the same time? Mm -hmm. But we weren't friends. I mean, we knew right. each other, mm -hmm. but we weren't friends. And um, Motor, our friend, Christine Motor, she also was, like, someone I was not friends with, but I knew her. I was pretty much alone there that day. Yes. And I got the... You do the test during the day, and you get the results at 9 p.m. from that hotel in San Diego. And I got my envelope, I went to the room, and I opened my envelope, and I saw that I hadn't passed. And the uh, people in the room next to me had all passed, and they mm. were all screaming so and celebrating. And I had called Stephen, and I was reading the letter, and I was like, I wasn't even crying at that point. I was just, I don't know, looking back, I think I was in shock. And yeah, exactly. I didn't want to leave my room, but at the same time, those people celebrating was really hard. And then Motor texted me, and um, she said, have you passed? And I was I was like, oh, wow. She was like, I didn't, have you? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I didn't. And so I said, can I go? Since she had tested me, I was like, can I go to your room? Yeah. Because I couldn't stand the people celebrating. Yeah. I mean, I feel Super happy for them, but oh, I said, yeah, hey, like, just, yeah. And so I went to her room, and I went there five minutes later. So you arrived. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, she didn't pass? That made me feel a little bit better online. <laughs> I wasn't happy that you hadn't passed. I was like, <laughs> okay, the Davis girls didn't pass. And okay. I I started eight months for it. I started really yeah. hard. like, mm -hmm. And so that's when I remember, like, and then we, I was like, my feeling was, if I'm going to do this again, of course, if I do it alone, I won't pass. Right. Like, I just did it alone and it didn't work. And I said, I really need to make them like me. So oh. they study with me. That was my whole thing. Oh. I was like, they need oh, to no. like me. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, oh my God, how do I make them like me? So they let me study with them. And so I, I don't know, even know how we ended up going back to LA from San Diego. And I said, yeah. I want to show you the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I drove you there and I drove you back and I was so desperate I said my god they need to study with me because there's no other way I'm gonna pass and as time went by and we started studying together I felt horrible because I you guys were machines <laughs> you were so above my level that I was like I don't know if this is good or bad because you know when you it, it's so it was so foreign to me how much you guys knew and how you study how deep and like the strategy and the system you guys had and I was like just I, I will never do that yeah. you know so I just want to say that because I feel like there are a lot of people in that position yeah and um it's not impossible you know if I did it like anybody mm. can do mm, it that's how I feel too which is funny to me because <laughs> you were my other but anyway okay so how do you cope like I know you exercise and all but how do you cope with all this Mm. stress and like long hours and how do you cope with all of that yeah I think in my residency I did a lot of working out just to again like relieve the tension relieve but what stress. time um before work so what time is that uh we would do 30 minutes one of my resident mates and I would do 30 mm -hmm. minutes of exercise so we'd get there at six and that was when the gym opened so we'd literally be waiting for them to open oh, the gym, wow. and we'd run in. And that's in Sacramento, right? In Davis. Davis, sorry, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sacramento. And then we do 30 minutes, take a shower, and then go to work. So, yeah, yeah, that wow. was the majority. And then I did some cooking, because cooking a little bit relieves stress for me. Wait, do you cook? 
I mean, barely. How come you never cooked for me? Mm-hmm. What do you cook? Mm, my favorite thing to cook is burritos. Really? Mm-hmm, with homemade green chili. Oh, yep. wow. It's my okay. favorite. Okay. Yes. And then macaroni and cheese as well. I can't, I, I cannot understand how people like mac and cheese. You know, a lot of people who are not from the U.S. or that, North America feel that way. Yes. Really? Yes. Of Do you know like, someone that would you, that way? Yes, many people. Is there someone I know? There are lots of people that you know that don't like it. I've never met a European that's like, yes, this is yeah, very... Yeah, it's just like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, th- I feel like people are going to kill me. Macaroni and cheese together. I'm like, why wouldn't you? It's magic. <laughs> like, Stephen loves it. My husband loves it. And the mm-hmm. one from the blue box, whatever, we're not going to say brands here, but like, I'm like, every time he makes it, he eats with such like a... So exciting. I know, and I always like, oh, maybe this one is different. And I always try, it. and he goes, like, I was like, oh, this is horrible. He was like, why do you try? Because you eat such like, yes. with such like a yeah, it's good like, mouth. Mm, like, yum. It has to be different. This one has to be different. Well, I don't make it from the box, though. You don't? How I do you make it? Homemade. it? Like, so do you, you grate the cheese and all? Yeah. So you like grate your own cheese. You what cook cheese your do you noodles. Um, I like sharp cheddar, and I like gruyere and stuff like that. Oh, that's a little better. But do you still use that the pasta that looks like a little cup? Oh. Isn't I that use, the one they use? That looks like a little... Oh, you can like use little, shells. Yeah, the or shells. You can yeah, use, yeah. I usually like elbows, elbow macaroni. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones. yeah. And then I like anything that has like a lot of surface area because then the cheese can stick to it better. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least I, I don't know if I... No, I think I've eaten homemade. It's just like there's nothing else. It's just the cheese. Yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what the problem is with that. <laughs> okay. And so you you went there. Uh, okay, you finished your residency and you took the test. Did you did you pass first time? Nope. I know. I know. I knew that already. But I think yeah. it's important for people to know um, that, right? Yeah. And I'm very glad actually that I didn't pass the first. Are time. you why? Why is that? Because I think because it, you met me. Yeah. Totally. I knew That's it. it. That's I the only. Knew way. it. <laughs> okay. No. Really. And. I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself. I had just moved to a different country because I was living in Canada at that time. So after my residency, I moved to Canada. So I was living in a new country. My relationship had failed um, at that time as well. And then my uncle had died like two weeks before the exam as well. Oh, wow. And so, and I was the first person out of our program to fail as well so we had had a hundred percent pass rate for first timers up until me that's a lot of pressure yeah yeah and so for me I think that with the release of that of well you're the first one to fail you know whatever then I was just like okay I need to actually figure out why I'm taking this exam and is it worth it because up until that point I mean I had been studying you know for basically did you actually years. think about is it worth it did mm-hmm. you think about Definitely. giving up yeah well especially like I feel like when you lose someone that you love you have that you know kind of like self-reflection of what am I doing with my life mm-hmm. and am I doing the right thing am I doing something that matters mm-hmm. and you know all of that and so um yeah and because of the test like I didn't get to go to his funeral you know and so I had that as well is that right I didn't mm-hmm. know that yeah, so I just, I had to really take a look and say, okay, like, wow, why do I want to do this? Yeah. And so, and for me, I came up with, the only reason that I've done any of this is because I want to be a better doctor, and I want to serve my patients well, and that made it so much easier to study. Like, it was fun 
somewhat. No, I agree with you. It's fun. Like the, the topic is fascinating. I, like I, I, I was fascinated in studies. Just yeah. the pressures, like the pressure is excruciating, and I, and I can't imagine for you. I, ha I think, in some level, I had a similar experience because you were taken after a hundred percent passing rate mm -hmm. for three residents, right? Before yep. you passed mm -hmm. first time. Yep. Like and I had quit my residency and I had to prove that I was worth. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So I had to pass. I had to pass. Because yeah. you know, I had quit. And like who yeah. quits a residency? Who gets that golden opportunity and quits? Right. right. And so I had to do it. And I think there's so much we put up with because again there's some like little opportunities and and people put up with it and yeah. luckily I had a way to quit and still take boards right. I could take a different route yes. that not everybody has that and I, I, I realized that's a privilege mm -hmm. but that must have been so difficult for you yep. to be and and what you're saying like to be a better vet to be ultimately I think is why we all do it is like the passion for veterinary yeah. medicine And I, I just feel it's so not fair. And, and I had that too when I had to validate my diploma in the United States. When I came here, I was a vet already for eight years. Yeah. And so when I came here, when I immigrated here, I had to validate my diploma, which is like a very long process. Many tests and it costs a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure too. And then I promised, so we had one girl that um, was my friend and I taking the test and one girl, which was her friend, I didn't know anyone and she decided to help us and um, help with like with what she could because that's like if you don't study that's really nothing right. a person can do but yeah. she decided to help us and share information in a legal way but like share what the experience was and mm -hmm. how she studied and how she prepared and what she did what she didn't do yeah. and um, and at a damn moment it because I don't know about you, but so many people are afraid to share knowledge. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're threatened by it somehow. Yep. Competition and all that. And things. at that moment that, because I was a nobody here, right? I came from my country where I was known. Mm -hmm. I was a Miranda there. Oh. And then I came here being nobody, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a shock. And she helped me. And I was, at that moment, I promised. I was like, I will help everybody. Yeah. Best for my health, mm -hmm. and knowledge is never something I'm gonna withhold. And, withhold, I'm yeah. gonna share, because truth is, the more you share, the more you gain. Yep. The more I share knowledge, the more I gain because somehow people send more like animals my way because yeah. they think I know somehow not more, but maybe have more experience. I never had a situation where I taught someone something. And they took something away from me. Right. I never had that situation. Yeah. And so at that moment, I promised myself that I would never hit with the whole knowledge. That was something I would never do. Yeah. Although I'm not very good with home with homework, but with my kids' homework. <laughs> but it's not withholding knowledge. It's just very It's just hard. the patience yeah. of... So I, I promised myself, and that's actually when I think Veta had started to grow, mm -hmm. like to be born without even knowing. It's just... Because, again, going back to, like, we are only 200, mm -hmm. and especially since zoological medicine or non-traditional pets or animals in general, not everybody works with pets, like zoos and aquatic animals and whatnot. Um, they're only, like, average 10 positions per year, so mm -hmm. only you can only be 
have 10 specialists at most per year. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it, it means some people don't pass and accumulate, yeah, exactly. but let's just for yeah. the sake of the argument. And how about everybody else out there? Yeah. You know what I mean? I know. Like, like people that have the same passion you had, this same, someone that may have saved a gold. Mm-hmm. Just think yep. about that. Like yeah. someone that have maybe had the same experience you that would you or even more profound, mm-hmm. and they couldn't fulfill the dreams. It's not because they are not good. It's just yeah. like it's not only ten everybody. positions. It's yeah, not exactly. fair. Yeah, right. It's not fair, and it's such a small club and a closed club. They don't share information, and coming from a third world country, you don't even have access to papers, to like scientific papers, right? To be able to like prepare and yeah. Do, yeah. Or even to get access to knowledge. Yeah. And so with Vera Head, it was like, we need to share this. Like, we need to share this knowledge. And and people like you that are great teachers and want to share. And just how do we connect yeah, get your brain to other people's brains? In my experience, that people just, they're just like everybody else. They just love what they do. And that's the only reason they are vets. Because it's, it's very hard to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure it's very hard to be any professional. I, I know that other professions are also as hard as. But how can we connect like your brain to other people's brains and unlimited, right? The only thing we have that is so democratic, even though it's not 100% democratic because some places don't have electricity or power, so, yeah. but it's the internet. Yep. And so that's the only way we can connect like you to other people and you can inspire other people and teach other people. So, when you, you, when you, like, you can be 100% honest, like, when you heard that concept, when I first told you about VetaHead, what crossed your mind? Um, I think for me, it was mostly excitement, because for me, I really have wanted to make an impact, Mm -hmm. and to try to get as many animals help Mm -hmm. as we can, and again, like, the internet is such a powerful way to get things out there. And to help veterinarians who can, obviously, like, if you're able to touch 100 veterinarians, then all of those veterinarians could touch, you know, like, 100 or more animals, like, in any given span of time. Yeah. And that is, like, that's a huge impact. And to me, that was, yes, complete support of that, you know, and, like, such an amazing tool that Mm -hmm. could be out there. Yeah. To help. I, I think, like, I went into a crisis, I think, where... I passed boards, right? And then I lift this weight out of my shoulder. And then suddenly, because when you're pursuing something, you don't think of anything else. You just have yeah. that goal. And mm-hmm. after I passed, I was like, and what? What? Yeah. Now what, what? What's next? Yeah. And I thought, I went through a crisis. I really did. Like, I would say, what am I doing? Like, how am I contributing to the world? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I understand I helped that pet. Like, I helped. Bob and I have John and I have Mary, yeah. but that's such a small scale. Mm-hmm. And really, who am I helping? Because the people that come into me, they have means. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is they could find a way to be helped. Like I, I'm not really making an impact in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's so definitely. I'm work. I'm helping privileged people. Right. And how is that really an impact? At that point, I didn't have kids, and I didn't actually want to have kids. As a matter of fact, I didn't, I didn't understand the difference between being a mom and being pregnant and yeah. and all and 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 I and I was just like 
I would come home and I would be like questioning it. Like, mm-hmm. how am I contributing to the world? Yeah. You know? Yep. And you see someone like Jane Fonda that really like, and I know I, I talk about that a lot, but it's true. But she's 83 or something. And she's still fighting like a lot of her fight for women's rights. We benefit from that. And I yep. was like, okay, I'm going to this really luxurious hostel every day, which I love, you know, how I love my work and the company I work for. But who am I really helping? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that spiraled down to me and I was like almost like to the point like I need to quit everything and go to Brazil and help the underprivileged right. and and that to me did you did you ever feel like that mm-hmm. like who am yeah. I actually wor- helping like yeah and Definitely. it's just like it's so it's so hard and then as Stephen says I I, I can never be quiet and enjoy life there's always have to be <laughs> like a always challenge like, what's next right? yeah. what's next and we don't enjoy really what yeah. we just accomplished mm-hmm. um i i feel like did you ever celebrate passing your season you know i did and i was very excited and then i called my one of my mentors for my residency and i said oh my gosh like this is this is all over now like what if i never get to work on a sea lion again and what if I never get to do a whale necropsy? And, you know, and she said, Miranda, you're supposed to not think about this for, like, at least another six months. Like, it's literally been, like, five minutes since you passed. You should be celebrating and thinking about it. And I was just, I was like, oh, but what about all the learning that I could do? And, you know, like the... I'm going to forget it all. Yeah, and, like, bettering everything and, like helping other people and helping animals and I just yeah I was like immediate but you did you take oh like you helped me and I know you have all the people to it so you passed so just so you guys know she passed the second time mm-hmm. I didn't and some of my friends and your friends didn't pass either and you stayed with us and studied with us until all of your friends had passed yeah so for two or three three years after you had passed yeah you study hard every week yeah, we studied just to like make Multiple summaries study. and yeah yeah and you pass so I thought about that and actually what <laughs> the day after I passed but I but did you throw a party did you go out did you like no see me neither really. <laughs> that's not normal that's not normal that's yeah. totally not normal um but the actually the day after it was when we received the notice that we had to go to Brazil to pick up the kids right for yes. adoption. Mm-hmm. So we actually also did not have time to celebrate. But to be a hundred percent honest with you, I don't know if I would celebrate because yeah. I have this horrible behavior not celebrating accomplishments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's expected. Is it? Check. Yeah. And then move to the next. Move to the next one. Yep. And talking about kids, I want to talk to you about that because I know. You and I share some things and you have some unique things about you too. <laughs> but having kids is so expected from us, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's not even a possibility. Even if it's a wish, if you decide to pursue this career, become a specialist, it, it's so hard for a woman to even think about kids because in the middle of all of that. Right. That a lot of so, people put it off until they're done and yeah. or try to do it before and then wait till they're you know, an old enough age, and then pursue their dreams and stuff after Because that. realistically, how old were you when you passed Boris? I was... It was, what, 2016 when I passed? So I was 33? Yeah, I was 36. Yeah. So if you look at it, 36, you already... Like, I'm hitting the biological clock. It's right. over, almost over for me. Yeah. And I know that is, like, IVF and all of that, but, like, 
reality speaking, it's almost over. Like 37, I think nowadays. I might be wrong, so I don't know. Someone yeah. correct me, but I think 37 is like where they start yeah, it's thinking there, it's a like, risk. Yes, pregnancy. You become like a. I think it's 35, I think. Yeah, I think it's 35. And if you're yeah. like a geriatric mother. Geriatric, yeah. yeah. And so. Or like a higher risk, like aged mother, like it depends on. Yeah. I think. And I thought I didn't want to be a mom, which came later to find out I actually did not want to get pregnant. I never, I think, it's not for me. Yeah. And the way I became a mom was actually through adoption. But. And it was a choice rather than having fertility problems or something like that. But you chose not to have kids, right? Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about that. Like how, is that something you always knew or? Um, I think pretty much from the time that I was in high school, I had decided that I just really wasn't in the cards for me. I'm not a very maternal person. Mm -hmm. I love animals. And that's mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> but I think that's so, I, I honestly... I want to say, I, know, I don't know if I ever said that to you, but I think it's so brave for you to say that. Okay. And the reason I say brave because it was not easy for me to tell the world that I did not want to get pregnant. Yeah. yeah. It took me years. It took me years to realize mm -hmm. that's what I didn't want to do because it's unnatural. Yeah. Right? It's unnatural for women to say, I don't want to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. I do not want to make a baby inside right. of me. Mm -hmm. and, and that has nothing to do with physical, like how I'm going to look or gaining weight, yeah. which I totally respect if that's someone's choice. Yeah. But that was not even it. I just felt like I don't want to put myself through that. Like, yeah. that's horrible. There's nothing natural about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing natural about it. Think about it. Like, I know it's like a natural process, biology, but like, Man, you're growing a human inside of you. No, and they make you like them. I know. Like, it's like the I wish people were honest about it. Like, my really best friends did tell me they did not love the newborns. Yeah. Oh, well, They yeah. were actually angry because yeah. they were sucking their life like a dementor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know people are going to hate me about that. That's not... I'm not, I'm not saying the newborns are dementors, but I'm just saying that... But, I mean, I think that it is a real it's problem. It's not... A, like, it's not a rainbow. Yeah. It's no, not and it's hard. And rainbows. Yeah. No, I agree. And for me, it was so hard to tell the world. And when I did tell the world, I was shocked on how I, I shouldn't, maybe. But people did not receive that well. No, I know. They did not yeah. receive that well. I had people telling me that, I, well, first everybody tell, told me I was going to regret. Because yes. I, I could only experience to be a woman if I got pregnant. Yeah. And if I only could experience the, uh, like, unlimited love, like, um, yeah, like unconditional, unconditional uh -huh. love if I had if I was pregnant mm -hmm. and that I was denying my inner female yeah. because of that. Mm -hmm. And I heard people saying that I had psychi psychiatrical problems that I had to call see a psychiatrist because I had some type of trauma Yeah, because I didn't want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. How, how is that for you? What were you always open from the beginning? Um, I mean, I just, yeah, I just really have never, It's something that I've ever really wanted, like, and people But talk you, about... did you tell people, like, from... I, like, I mean, I guess, like, not at first, because I was so young. Like, not a thing mm -hmm. that, you know, like, oh, in high school, like, hey, mm -hmm. you want to get pregnant? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. Um, That's probably what people in high school should be doing. No, thank <laughs> I you. I know. Yeah. And then, um, I think as I got older, that then I realized that a lot of people, even when you're dating and stuff, that it comes up of, like, oh, well, you know, when do you want to have kids? It wasn't, like... 
like away from your date or from yeah, people? like yeah, like you know, from dates and stuff. You like know, a the, guy will say that to you. Yeah, like as you get to know people and stuff like that. Base that comes up. I would assume yeah. for other people, not just me. And then it was like, oh, I was kind of like nervous to tell people, you know, nope. And then over time, I was like, oh, I just kept getting more and more terrified of children. They are very scary. Have you to ever? Me. And so then it was like, oh, no, I don't want to have kids. And people are like, you what? Oh, don't worry. That'll change with your biological I know. Plot. It does not change people. It and does like, not change. Ooh. Yeah, it didn't change for I me. Still I still mean, do I not want it Like, it does change for some people. Do you know what people but, tell me, told me? Like, when we adopted, they said, oh, now that you adopt, you're going to have kids. Like, biological. Oh. I'm like, no, I'm good. I think you're missing the point. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> but... Okay, first of all, it must have been scary because I don't know about you, but I was always very insecure. It must have been so hard for you to tell a boyfriend you didn't want to have kids because it, and if that boyfriend rejects you because you know, you're yeah. not mom material. Yeah, well, and funny that you say that because I met this like wonderful guy in Canada and uh, we went on a few dates and stuff and he let me know like he really wanted kids mm -hmm. and I, I just stopped the relationship. And was like, nope, I'm good. I can't, I can't date you because I don't want to have kids. And he was like heartbroken about it. And he was like, like well, right at the beginning you said that. I mean, we had dated, like we had got out on just a few dates. And I was like, I, you know, I really like you, but I think that we're gonna have to call this off because I don't want to have mind? kids. No, I'm good. But then you guys broke up. Mm-hmm. You know, I broke up with him because I was like, if you want to have kids, like no, I, I mean, don't. that's the right thing to do, but like. Oh my god! So so like, is that something that would be in the back of your mind, like at, when you were like teenager or something? Like, I'm afraid I'm gonna be rejected. Because, no, no. Oh wow. No, I think it's just like it's something that you know kind of comes as. You're badass. You know that. No, I just you, you are badass. I just know what I don't want. I but guess that, that is badass. That's so like that is amazing. Oh, I mean, thanks. I hope you know that. This mm. is not easy. Yeah, it's not. Even now, when I'm like, I'm past the prime of that. And it's still, you know, people are like, oh, don't worry, it'll change. And it's like, no, I don't really think it's going to, so. No, yeah, and I don't think children is for everybody, honestly. Oh, and no, I, think I don't think so either. So, I am 100% sure so many women just have children because this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I, I, I'm convinced of that. So, okay, I'm trying to understand your world because it's just like I never had to say that to someone I was dating. Yeah. Right? Because adoption to us came when we got married, you and right. I, we mm -hmm. still thought about, we would say about, the truth is, we would talk about having kids and I would always postpone. Yeah. Right? I would, uh -huh. and I had reasons, right? Yeah, like good reasons. Re yeah. But but then the reasons start getting less and, and less. Yeah. So I, um, so the way. it's boards. It's I residency. Know, it's residency. It's boards, I need to validate my diploma. <laughs> yeah. We just met. We had to validate my diploma. I just moved here. I yes. need my green card. Oh, it's residency, which mm -hmm. I agree. It's yes. a, I oh guess my a, gosh. Yeah. It's a good reason, but like, and then it's boards and then you pass boards and my new job and I, we just moved and it, it's just, I, I felt, I found myself always postponing it. Yeah. But I, was never honest to myself or to other people to say, no, I just right. don't want that. Yep. But you yeah. would tell people out of the bed. Like, I can't, because I was so always so insecure. That changed over the years, but like, I was always so insecure. I would never put that. I would say, let me make this person like me first, and right. then I'll break the news. But you... Yeah. Well, but I didn't do that with every relationship. Like, he was, you know, I just... That was just one example, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, I only, I don't know. I, the people, looking back, the people I dated, I'm not sure they would be okay with that. 
Yeah. Like, how, how was it for you? Like your experience throughout life? I mean, so I think one thing, this is going to sound really silly, but one thing that um, kind of turned things for me about like being honest with people about it was Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you ever oh, watched that program. A little bit, but what about it? So one of the characters and like her, you know, partner or whatever, that they ended up, you know, kind of like getting really serious into their relationship. And then it was found that they had like major differences on like major subjects, like having kids or, you know, getting married or, you know, whatever that is for them. It was having kids. Like one of them wanted to have kids and one of them didn't. And that ended up like breaking it off. And they had had all this time together and everything. And for me, I was like, I wouldn't want to do that to someone. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't, I would feel like I was wasting their time. Again, you're so mature. Well, I mean, it's, I can't even remember when that episode came out. I was in my 20s or something. But I was like, I can't believe that they didn't talk about this, you know, beforehand. Uh-huh. And I haven't really been one to that has wanted to get married either. So for me, I was like, oh, I should probably, like, think about this stuff and, like, you know, be honest about it because I don't want to waste anyone's time. So that's when I kind of was like, okay, I need to at least at some point, kind of early-ish on, make sure that whoever I'm with knows that I don't really want to get married and I don't want to have children. And so. I think that, I just want to make clear that I think that is absolutely fantastic. I think the reason I'm asking is because I think we are imposed all of that. Um, and I think that's, everybody has the right the right to choose and there's no right mm-hmm. way. I don't want, yeah. I mean, oh, the reason completely. I ask that is because I was not that brave. It took me to, to exist for 36 years to be that brave. Yeah. You know? And I just saw in you always that honesty in, and, um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a project of divorce. My parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yep, same. It's same there. Yeah. Okay. So for the, lo- it, it, it affected me in a way. I was already older when they got divorced. I was on my twenties, but it affected me on a way that I had worshipped my parents and my parents to me were like everything heroes right mm-hmm. and and to me it was very difficult to see my parents as my mom is also a woman and my father is also a man yeah and my father is not the same person as the husband right right to me that was very difficult conclusion yeah. it was like years of therapy to yeah realize what one day my therapist told me um you are like he didn't curse but the way i remember in my mind is like you are uh, a little brat and spoiled because he's your father he's not your husband and yeah. he's husband to your mom and that's not the same person as the right. father he was to you yes right and uh, the same thing with my mom like you know like my mom is my mom but as a wife she might not have been perfect yeah, and she exactly. doesn't have to because she's a hum- human being yeah and it was so hard for me to understand all of that and mm-hmm. to have the maturity to understand those things and it seems that to you it was also very clear but I did not want to get married. And the reason I didn't want to get married is because I, I saw the failure of a yep, marriage. Exactly. Is that yeah, why? Is that why? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, it, is the fear of failure? I mean, I think that that's or part it of it. choice? And, like, the fear of commitment for that long as well. But is like, the fear, like, yeah. I will tell you, but for me, right? Because uh, I thought... And again, because I never saw my parents' marriage through the lenses of an adult. Right. I always saw that mm-hmm. as like a fantasy, right? Because yeah. that's, what, I don't know, my joy of kids to see. 
So I couldn't see the nuances, which my sister always saw it. Mm -hmm. For my sister was not surprised. For me, it was like, (gasps) what? And my sister nowadays, we talk and she's like, Lara, really? They used to fight. It's like, what? They fought? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But to me, it was really difficult to commit. Um, I actually was engaged before. Yeah. And I kind of almost ran away. Yeah. Um, And I broke up because I just couldn't follow through of the fear of failing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I saw my parents' marriage failing. And it's yeah. nothing against my parents. Like this, yeah, of course. It's all me. That's all me. I was a grown woman when mm-hmm. that happened. But is that why? Is like, Do you think that's why it happens to you? Or it's just like, no, it's just not a lifestyle I want? Um, I think it's probably, like, probably on some, like, subconscious level. I, it probably is, you know? Because I do have a fear of commitment as well. So, yeah probably is but is it a fear of like n- no to me like it was like oh no man it's worth it like no there's no way this can work out like yeah. if my if it couldn't work out between my mom and my father that would never happen yeah I think for me it's like it goes like f- like more widespread than that of like uh-huh. you know like all the stats about divorce and everything and and I was just like well then why do it in the first place you know it doesn't for me at least it doesn't mean that I would love any less you know or whatever but it's just why no and i agree if you we our brains are trying to look on data right Mm -hmm. information and i still don't understand why i did it all yeah right and so it's it's crazy um there's so much that we don't know that we impose ourselves because it's what we consider well, society, the yeah. norm. Yeah. I hate to yeah. say it's society because it's like this monster, but it's really, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It totally it is, is what it is. It's like it's part of those. It's not an option not yeah. to be married. Well, and it's all the steps, right? Of like, you know, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids. Yeah. 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 And I feel I always did things a little bit different than the majority of the population. Like, I got married to a person that didn't live in my country. I had to move. You know, I didn't have biological kids. Mm-hmm. I chose a profession that everybody, the majority of people think that it's not worth it or not financially visible, yeah. visible mm-hmm. or whatnot. So I think I always chose way, like, maybe I was, I don't know. But I always chose alternatives that were not the obvious ones. Yeah. Except for getting married. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, I think back and uh, I don't know how much of that is growing up seeing Cinderella. Yeah. And Snow White. And mm-hmm. things that I don't allow my children to see today. Yeah. Because I do not want them to grow with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to have a partner. I just don't think that marriage... It needs to grow, it needs to evolve to a different thing, which I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it needs to evolve, like, the way it is with all the stats. What is the stats now? It's like... Uh, it's Yeah, it's like well over, like, 50%, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah, incredible. It's crazy. Not only that, but, like, everything that is... We were talking about that the other day, right? But everything that it's, like, women supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, to me, like, raising Chloe um, has been eye-opening because... One day I left the house and I said, well, mommy's going to go wax. And she said, what's wax? And I was like, okay, wait. I never had to explain to someone what it was. I told her. And she said that, I said, well, well, you remove your hair with wax. And she said, why? Yeah. And I was like, 
because mommy doesn't want to show my I don't want to show my hair and she said oh, why yeah like and I think she said something like don't you have hair in your arm or something like that and I thought I was like why that hair like right I yeah. was doing like um bikini wax and I'm like why is that hair bad yeah why is that hair the villain and your arm hair and your head hair. Like, it's like, it's okay. You want more hair on your yes, head. Yes, <laughs> if you don't have hair in your hair, that's then bad. But if you have hair in other parts, it's bad. It's bad, yes. And Very that selective. Was a, how, but like, seriously, people like us, in a sense that we, again, we are scientists. We think objectively. We are practical people. Yet, like, I argue about everything. Thing in my life. What? No. No, right? <laughs> I like the sweet. But then, like, how come I wax my whole life and I never questioned it? Yeah. I never questioned it. Yeah. I'm 38. And so she was like, and then she said, it sounds like it hurts. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, buddy. <laughs> yes, it does hurt. And then she followed with, so why do you do it? <laughs> At that moment, and this like was six months ago. It was not that long, and I'm like, "You're right. Why do I do it?" And so that day, I called and canceled my appointment because, like, why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? I don't want to do it. Hurts, and like for who? I don't care if my hair is long, but I know other people can. That's why I do it it's for other people, and I like just stop freaking waxing. <laughs> I just stopped waxing that day. Like, do you wax? No. <laughs> but you have never waxed, no. right? No. <laughs> I don't like pain. <laughs> but, do you, but that's right. But that's what you should do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Chloe. But why? Man, and that's so what I ask my friends. Why? Yes, why? There's no why. And There's no like, why. You should try it. No, you should not try it. But why? <laughs> like, like, give me a really good reason. <laughs> so that's really, that, like, that's so bad in so many levels because, uh, I can, I know that might be sharing too much information, but like waxing is the only alternative if I want to remove the hair of my bikini line because if I shave, which doesn't hurt, when it starts growing, it's really painful. <laughs> it's really annoying. So either way, you're going to suffer either when you remove the hair or when the hair starts growing. So <laughs> the hair is telling you, <laughs> it needs to be there. And I keep insisting on removing it. So... I told her that day, I was like, I have no idea. So I don't want to be telling her that she needs to do that. But yeah. when I grew up, and that's not my mom's fault. That's not oh, things that. were that time. Like, it's that monster of society again. I was just taken to the wax salon. Because in Brazil, we just wax. We don't shave necessarily. And then I, like, the culturally, we wax. Because we have the thing, like, if you, sh if you shave, it's going to grow more thicker and horrible. And you're going to be a monkey and whatever. And I love monkeys. Yeah. And I'm like, they look cute. <laughs> and so, being a monkey is actually good. Yeah. Right? We take care of monkeys. And so, I, I mean, that day I stopped. I stopped. And then I told one of my really good friends, I'm actually going to become emotional because that broke my heart. And I told her I was no longer going to shave. And she said, you're so gross. Aww. She said to me, you're so gross. And I know she didn't mean bad. Yeah. But because it's just expected normal, and it's, I know. Yeah. She said, You're so gross, you're gonna be like a monkey. Yeah, and you're like, But monkeys are so cute. <laughs> I couldn't say that at that point. I was so mortified that she said that to me. Yeah, and I don't think she knows how much that hurt me. Yeah, 
because I changed the subject and I was like, whatever. Of course. But I love her like a sister. And she could not understand me. Yeah. And that to me was like heartbreaking because I saw we were in different worlds. Yeah. And we were getting disconnected somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't, I have this dilemma with Chloe, for example, she is entering puberty and I don't want to tell her she needs to wear a bra. Yeah. Because I'm fighting with myself. I know we talked about this before and I would like to touch on that, but about bras, like why do we wear bras? And I understand that bras are comfortable in some moments and to some people, but to me at least, they are very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. With the exception of sports bra when I'm working out. Yeah. They are very uncomfortable. They mark my skin to the point that when I remove them, I have marks on my skin. Oh. Do you have that? No. So I have like, you know, if you have something like tight on you all yeah. the time, mm-hmm. like not necessarily tight, but just I have marks on my skin when I remove them. Yeah. I have marks on my shoulders. Oh. And so I I call myself like, why am I wearing a bra? Right. It's so other people don't see my nipples. Mm-hmm. But nobody cares about seeing guys' nipples. Yeah. So why, like, do you understand, like, nipples? Like, you can see my fingers, but you can see my nipples. It's yeah. not even seeing my nipples, right? Like, right. to be real. I'm not naked. It's like seeing the, sh- the, the, how can I say that? The, the shape on my like nipple. Like the contour. Yeah, totally. Like the contours or the whatever. The contour. Mm-hmm. And I went into this spiral thing because Chloe started developing and I did not want to tell her about bras. Yeah. And I was talking to my friends and I have a really good friend that is a personal stylist. And I was like, what do I do? Because I don't want to tell her to wear a bra. Yeah. Because I'm afraid she's going to think that she has to. Yeah. But then she brought up a good, like, maybe she will feel more comfortable with it. Like, you mm-hmm. cannot also yeah, like not, not telling tell her. her about a bra. Yeah. It's also bad. And so, I mean. And then it's like, I don't know. My mom gave me, like, the option. She did? Mm-hmm. She was like, well, when you're ready, you can wear one if you want. Like, you just tell me and we'll go get you one. And I was like, yeah, okay. And what did you do? Um, I didn't hit puberty till I was, like, 15-ish. Oh, wow. So yeah. Late. Yeah, and so, and then I was like, wow, these things are, like, coming in hot, you know, like, watch out. (laughs) So, Uh and then I was like, yes, please. (laughs) Okay. And I just started with, like, sports bras, because, you know, like, I was an athletic little kid and Uh did all the things. And then, like, also, like, peer pressure, too. I was totally tomboy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, then peer pressure as well makes it hard. So, so that may, you know, to me, like, come into play, too. But, Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I was, no, I didn't have that option. I was told, like, you, you wear a bra. Yeah. Like, you start showing boobs, you wear a bra. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let other people show you, see your boobs or see the shape, like, the contour, right? Yeah. We shouldn't let anyone see our boobs, like, but I tell my son, too, you're not allowed to be without a shirt at home because I'm not allowed, your sister's not allowed, why would you? Yeah. And he thinks it's so, so we went to Brazil now, and in Brazil, you know, it's a tropical country. All right. guys don't wear a shirt, and we're like, guys, there's not, the guys are not wearing shirts. And I'm like, do I break that? And I yeah. tell him that the world's like that, or no, I just like, I didn't say anything. But yeah, that, that to me is just so crazy, so much pressure. And I think people look at me sometimes and think that I'm so strong and so determined, and I'm still like a hostage of all of that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I feel like you are. We are not. You like you make your choices, and you. 
um, and you go with it, and you're okay, like, you know, if a person's gonna like, it's gonna like you for who you are, and you're not trying to pretend you're something you're not. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, I feel like I still do that, though. Like what? You know, like, I will be like, oh, should I, like, I question all those things of like, well, maybe I should consider having kids. And then I picture it and I'm like, oh my god, I no, no. Do you think about that really? Yes, of course. Yeah. Especially, you know, with like certain people who come into your life or, you know, whatever, that mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, should this be something that I should consider? And then I'm like, okay, I need to picture myself at two in the morning, the screaming little kid. And you see, no. that's why I adopted older kids. Yes. I, I, like, they never woke us up. Yeah. I <laughs> slept through the night every day. I Sleep go, is so important. It is. Like, I can't imagine myself with a little baby. Like, yeah. I'm not a baby. Like, Chloe would say, like, mommy doesn't like babies. I was like, no, that's not it. I like, I, like, I like mommy, babies. Mommy, like, sleep and wine. I know. <laughs> it's mama juice. But um, I just think, yeah, I, I cannot picture myself with a baby. Yeah. You know, I know. It's just, I can't either. Yeah, and I don't miss it. Yeah, I, I don't really either. Don't. But yeah, but I definitely I think that there is still like questioning all the time. You know, yeah. So I don't. I yeah. actually, I, I, and it's good. Like I, I think about it. I think about like, will I regret not having a baby? Like, like my friends, like they have toddlers and babies, and I think it's cute and adorable. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, not, me too. And yeah. the hormones that they said they were gonna kick in, mm-hmm. never did. Yeah, me neither. And I don't. I was talking to Stephen the other day about that, and I was like, "Well, you know, I, I didn't know. I did not want to get pregnant when we got married. So I feel like I need to like talk to him and say, hey." Is that something you think you're going to miss? Because mm-hmm. I'm 38 now. In theory, I could still have a baby, although I'm not going to. But And so I have all these conversations with him. It's like, is that something you think you're going to miss? And and over and over, we're like, no. Like, yeah. I really... The fact that we can reason with the kids, the, the fact that we can explain things to them and uh, laugh with them and and whatnot, it's, I, I, it just makes me think that it makes me think that no, I would not be able to yeah. raise a baby. Yeah. It's so much you need to give up. Yeah. And I'm not willing to. Like I know, when that's I that's what I think too of like right? I'm too selfish. But is that being selfish or is that just being human? Like, don't you think like guys, they don't, don't think know. about that. Do you think guys think about that? I have no idea. But they don't need to give up their careers. Yeah. Tell me a guy that gave up their career. I don't know. I think that there are some men who would like to give up their careers. Like, there's a lot of one. like, you know, people who want to be stay-at-home dads. Like, I have a really great friend that that's like his dream is that he really wants to be a stay-at-home dad, you know? And I think that that's fantastic. You know, it's like everyone deserves the right to be okay, able but that's to make a, that it's choice. Right. It's an exception. No, no, I, I, I have yeah, nothing against but, women that want to yeah. be at home. And I would agree. I, I have against women that don't want to be at home and it's, it's get stuck at home. Yeah. Like, I, I think choice is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about people that want to wax. I'm all about people that want to, totally. like, whatever. I just... Yeah, rock it. Rock it. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes you feel good, rock it, right? Like, yeah. I know tattoos hurt and I love tattoos and I have tattoos. It's a choice. It yeah. hurts as hell but I do it yeah but as long as your choice and I and the things I I was not doing that because it was my choice I was doing that because it was somebody else's choice so right. mm-hmm. but I don't know many guys that think about their careers when they have kids yeah but I thought I was like I would need to stop my career for six months can you can you imagine yourself stopping your career for six months no I don't think I would 
I'd be I, like, I, I would be like, can we switch and like you can stay at home for six months? So that's why I thought I'll, about like, adoption. Pop it out and then go back to work. Is that, <laughs> is that okay? That, and like that was exactly the reason I said this is the only way it can be fifty fifty. Yeah. This is the only way mm-hmm. because the 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 kid will not depend on my body to survive. Right. Right. And I will not be physically impaired. And that's the only way it can be 50-50. And as a matter of fact, the whole thing happened when I saw a YouTube video that was suggested to me. And it was a mom holding a baby, a newborn baby, drinking wine. And I was like, well, wait, I always thought that you couldn't yeah. drink. And I clicked because I was like, what is, what is happening? Can you drink? Uh-huh. And... I clicked and she had adopted a newborn. Oh. And she was, and then she was at waking up at two AM to nurse and but she was, and she was like wine. I'm gonna drink wine. Oh. I was like, Oh, if you're gonna do it, that's the way I'm gonna do it with a glass of wine. Right. But the more I study about adoption and I learned that there's so many older kids in, in the well, system yeah, that exactly. need the family need a that family. I was like, Why am I even gonna dabble into the baby yeah. the whole baby thing? And a lot of people do want, you know, babies. It, which well, is fine by me. The only Definitely. thing is, I thought the only way to have a child was to get pregnant and have yes. a baby. Yeah. Maybe I was being naive, but when I learned that there are other ways to be a mother, then I was like, okay, I realized I want to be a mother, I just don't want to get pregnant. Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of older kids in the system that, you know, because a lot of people who adopt also want a baby, you Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's so genuine of you to like just be honest with everybody and yourself, mostly yourself. Yeah. That that's something. You, how did your family react to that? Um, I mean, oh, I think it's been there so long. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I'm just naive and I don't notice that they're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with this? But woman? do you, when but, you go back for Christmas and text even whatnot, did they say like when you getting married? When you or did just skate no, off? No, I mean, it, to me, like. My mom has never, like, pressured me for any of mm. that. So, you know, it's, like, now that she has a grandson from my, you know, kind of older brother, that it's, like, oh, they're so fun and, you know, everything. And then I'm, like, oh, great. You've got one. Nice. You know, because I know a lot of people feel a lot of pressure from their families and stuff, too, of, like, oh, when are you guys going to have kids and blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, for me, like, my family just never did that to me, which is great. You know, it's, like, I feel like my family's been very supportive of like any decision that I've Mm -hmm. decided to make. So that's awesome. What is a thing looking back, a failure that you remember so vividly that still hurt? I'll tell you mine is when I was at vet school, Mm -hmm. um, working, um, you know, to help people for everything. And I would be, um, how do you call these? Like you go to parties and you entertain kids. Oh, party animator or oh yeah well i don't know what were you doing were you being like a clown or something yeah it's not really a clown but you you do like those so anyway i yeah. started a company that was like that right oh right gosh, like that's amazing. <laughs> and um i got hired to entertain this like three and four years this toddlers yeah it's a toddler party and i was so naive because really how can you entertain toddlers you just can't there's nothing you can like you and the woman asked for this puppet show. Oh. But I decided that a puppet show was not enough. Oh. Right. I had to have special effects and all. Um, little did I know, and I still don't know about kids and toddlers and babies, uh-huh. that things can be very scary to them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I had... 
Did you have like fireworks or something? Really, what you could have done is just brought a bunch of cardboard boxes because I don't know about anyone else, but like I loved cardboard boxes as a kid because you could make them into spaceships and like all things. You could have just brought a bunch of boxes. So, <laughs> Take out all the toys and just give them the boxes. So I had this guy doing the puppet show dressed as a clown and then he would come from behind the, the puppet, like the theater, theater puppet thing. He would come from behind it with a balloon uh-huh. filled with confetis and he would like pop it? Pop the balloon. Oh my gosh. I bet they <laughs> were <laughs> terrified. <laughs> All the kids are crying all stuff. Oh no. I don't really feel like that's a failure you should be sad about. But I was so <laughs> embarrassed and to this day I think it's the biggest failure. I regret. Oh my gosh, yeah. really? So I had to return the money to her. She was Even so pissed. <laughs> and, um, she was so mad at me. I was 18. She was so mad at me. I remember to this day, like, undoing the whole thing and putting everything in my car. The one with the flat tire that yes, I had to yeah. change. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and to this day, it's like, when I go back to my hometown, I still know where she lived. I don't know where she lives there anymore, but yeah, even but that the house. view, the house, yeah. like, it's still in my mind. And so every time I drive by, I remember that. Oh Do you gosh. have something like that? <laughs> no. I don't have anything that good. <laughs> Like a failure like that. Oh. No, not like that. <laughs> That's amazing. But like looking back, you don't have any failures like I oh, yeah, that was hard. I mean, I think there are a lot of those. And do you have a fear? Oh my gosh, I've got so many. So tell me one that is like a good fear. Um, I think I... Like, this is silly, but kind of going back to that, you know, impact thing. I think I have a fear of, like, not making enough of my life, I guess. Like what? Like, um, because I, I really do, like, with my life and everything, like, I want to make an impact for people and, like, make a positive impact. And so I think that it's, like, I'll just go through life and not do that. And that is terrifying to me. But you have done that to me. Yeah, maybe it has to impacted you, but, my life. Well, and many other people. But maybe it's not enough. You know. I I, I mean, if you think like um, I understand what you're saying, but if you think like how many people, how many people's lives you have changed already? I don't know. Do you ever think about the good you have done already? No, gotta but, do more. I know, and I think <laughs> that's great, and I think that's what you and I want to do with Vetterhead, but. Can't, I wish I could crack your head open and like put in there like all of that. Let's see. But you have changed so many people's lives. Like you have with the kindness, like you know, the, the fact that you wanted to study with me. That meant so much to me. And I'm sure it meant so much means so much to your students and everybody is around you that you don't even think about. Like yeah. people do worship you. People do worship you. Like the students we have, the interns we have, they do worship you, and I don't think you see yourself, which is great, you know, because I think it keeps you grounded. But at the same time, like, you do impact people's lives. You do, like on a constant basis, like my life, everybody's life. And I think, um, and I'm so lucky to have you at ahead and to be like the the first speaker and the first like podcaster and <laughs> and to have you spreading all the knowledge. You know, every time I see you teaching, you're so patient. Is so patient, and and I don't know. I I think I 
I teach well, but I think you teach. It's something special about you. It's something like it's it's from your core. That when I see you teaching, I feel like imposter. I feel like this is what really teaching is about. I feel like it's coming from your heart. <laughs> You're so silly. It is true. I feel it's coming from your heart, from your soul. I'm like, oh wow. She's so patient. <laughs> I know. It's that wine time. No, right? yeah. And I do drink wines with grapes. Have you noticed that? Yes. It's I always cute. put berries. I like it. Because they marinate here and then I eat them. Yeah. And they marinate like, in wine. Yeah, a little sangria, right? Yeah. Right? Yes. That sangria is where they put fruit I and guess. stuff in it. But I guess you need to put juice in sangria. Oh, well, right, whatever. <laughs> so uh, to wrap up, tell us about your course at Vetahead. Yeah, um, I'm super excited about it. Tell us about what, what it is. What are you um, it's basically to help people get a background and a comfort, like a baseline kind of comfort level with rabbit medicine. Mm -hmm. And then also surgery, you know, if they're able to come, you know, mm -hmm. to the, the labs and everything. And... I think that it, you know, I'm hoping that it will help, you know, kind of jumpstart that, you know, rabbits being like the third most popular, mm -hmm. probably like skyrocketing soon. They're going to yes. become the second popular, it most is. popular. And so it's like, I feel like so many people are presented with these animals mm -hmm. and they likely did not learn about mm -hmm. them or learned very minimal amounts, you know, like a few hours maybe yeah. out of their four years or five years, depending mm -hmm. on where they went for vet school. And so I'm hoping that this will, you know, kind of help them gain that comfort level. It's very intensive course mm -hmm. and um, gives a lot of just very, just common, like basic, like this is what you need to know if you're mm -hmm. going to see them. And then also like how to see them well, you know, not just like, oh, here kind of, you know, give them Batrol mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know, Enrofloxacin or whatever. But it's like really like, okay, let's see them to a standard that we know is there for dogs and cats mm -hmm. and um, don't be afraid of them because a lot of people have so many fears revolving around rabbits, especially if they've seen them on emergency bases, mm -hmm. you know, where they have had them come in, you know, in shock and stuff like that, that they're convinced that all of them die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if all your dogs came in, in this same state, mm -hmm. you would also think that all dogs died, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and then they can help educate their clientele as they kind of build that and how to build that. So we do have like a financial kind of component and stuff mm -hmm. to the course as well, just to, you know, try to help people so that then they can feel more comfortable. To so see making these. Zoomed accessible to everybody. Yeah, and so that exactly. people can actually have access to knowledge, to mm -hmm. like cutting edge knowledge, because really that's what you do, yeah. is cutting edge knowledge. Yeah. Like to the latest publications and everything. And yep. and really, like I think you and I share a goal is that my dream, really my dream is that a rabbit or any other zoological companion was seen as the same status as a dog Completely. Yeah, and it's like, and and why not? And the same level, right? Yes. Life is a life. Exactly. And it, and doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter if, you if have they're little little if you're big if you have scales or feathers or mm -hmm. fur in the color of your fur i think what matters is that you and where alive. you fit and you know you i know that we share the yeah. same like skin prickliness of using you know pocket pets yeah. it's like saying that i feel like often just kind of devalues them it really because does. they're small you it know really and devalues yeah and i think the name is exotic 
the values. Yeah, our colleagues. Like they're truly zoological companion animals. Yeah, because I think the exotic, the name itself, it, it kind of um, when you say something is exotic, it means it doesn't belong. It yeah. excludes, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a problem because we're not excluded as a professional, yeah. as professionals or or as animals. We are not. We want to integrate. We want to be part of everything. You know. And it's not reinventing the wheel. Like yeah. the medicine is all the same, and mm-hmm. teaching that, and and I think it's the love that owner, the bond between the animal yes. and a person cannot yeah. be measured. Yeah, I and agree. I've seen that so many times, mm-hmm. and I think people take that for granted, and people think that humans are not able to love. Uh, a rabbit the same way they love a dog, but that's completely not true. Yeah, I would agree. You can't you can't choose who you love. Yeah, and when you love, you love, and and that's it. So yeah, exactly. I think that's the main goal of Vet Ahead is to spread the love through knowledge and and make knowledge accessible so all the vets and techs and nurses out there can take care of their patients and have the same passion you yeah. did for your little goat. And I, you know, had for well, I don't have a little goat story in my life but the same passion I had for those tortoises I was uh, marking marking and, exactly and taking care and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. so I think that's what Better Head is about agreed I'm so excited I'm so excited too so tune in to go to vetahead.vet that's www.vetahead.vet and you have more information soon thank you so much for being yeah, here for being part of the first me. podcast yes yeah, thank and you and I'll see you soon cheers cheers Thank you. All right, all right. Now to our last segment, The Honest Mistake. I was debating a lot about this part of the podcast. I have to admit it was inspired on the amazing fact check on Dex Shepard and Monica Spedman's podcast, The Armchair Expert. Such a great idea. Go check it out. It is fantastic. So we adapted the idea and came up with The Honest Mistake. It is the segment of this podcast where we talk about the mistakes we made during the podcast, but ahead of time. We talk about the things anyone could be wrong about, which is also called an honest mistake. Today, on my conversation with the brilliant Dr. Sadar, we said some equivocal things. Let's be honest, I was the one saying all of them. I realized that. The first one, believe it or not, was the year I met my own husband. Not that that changes anyone's life, I realize that, but here we have a community with honesty. So, sorry sugar, we met in 2009, not 2011. So, that was the first mistake. I will blame it on the wine I was having. By the way, do you have any quirky or weird ways to consume wine or beer or I don't know what type of alcohol you consume or even juice, who knows? I always add berries to my wine. My favorite, which I just now realize is not a berry, is pomegranate. However, I have to say blackberries and raspberries taste great too. You savor your wine and at the end, you eat the fruit that has been marinating there for a while. Mmm, it's so good. I'm sorry if I'm offending the wine experts out there, but if I were you, I would give it a try. Anyway, I digress. The other thing I need to clarify is about guinea pig dystocia, which is also the difficulty at birth. It was a bit confusing, but what we meant to say is that the rate of dystocia in guinea pigs is higher if they are older than 8 to 12 months when they are bred for the first time. I know there we said younger, older, and it was a bit confusing, but that's what it is. 
In other words, that means that part of the pelvis fuses and it makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to dilate for birth. On these cases, a C-section might be needed. Um, but, you know, that's all medical information we'll be covering today. Do not worry. At one point, I said that CVs are bullshit. Please do not misinterpret me and go to your job interview without one. Please do prepare. In my own experience, CVs were not the big of the deal. In fact, I didn't need them for my main jobs. To give you one example, my most recent job interview four to five years ago, I was not even aware I was in a job interview. But again, please have a neat and professional looking CV and please do not talk about beavers. Yes, believe it or not, that is what I was talking about during my interview, which I had no idea was actually an interview. But to be clear, in my defense and in my world, I was talking about beaver, the animal. During the podcast, we also discussed pregnancy and risks depending on the woman's age, the famous biological clock. We went on and on talking about it, but I didn't have actually data to discuss during the podcast. I found some interesting info on that topic that is worth sharing. I found that one of the most common risk factors for high-risk pregnancy is the age of the mother-to-be. Women who will be under the age of 17 or over the age of 35 when their babies do are at greater risk of complications than those between their later teens or early 30s. And it makes sense. That's what we always hear, but I wasn't very sure about the age exactly. I found that the risk of miscarriage and genetic defects further increases after the age of 40. It is one of the key factors, the age, that predict your ability to conceive too. It seems like the fertility starts to decline at age 30, and it keeps on dropping steadily until women hit menopause. With that said, I also found that it's not only possible to deliver a healthy baby after the age of 35, it is quite common too. From my research, it seems like women are at their peak fertility on their 20s. Healthy women that age who are trying to conceive have about a one in a four chance of getting pregnant during a single menstrual cycle. Is it too much info for you? You know what? All of us need to know a little bit about it. In other words, 25 out of 100 women will succeed per month. By the age of 40, an average healthy woman has only a 5% chance of getting pregnant per cycle. That's right. It drops from 25 to 5%. At the same time, the likelihood of miscarriage climbs with age. A typical 40-year-old has about a 40% chance of losing the pregnancy. That compares to less than 15% for someone in their 20s. By the time the woman is over 45, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists say that getting pregnant naturally is unlikely for most women. Well, thank goodness for technology and IVF and all the other techniques that allow women to get pregnant at an older age. And that makes sense, right? As we learn in biology classes, as women age, so do the eggs, and they have fewer of them too. Women are born with all the eggs they will ever have in their life is about a million. And by the time they hit puberty, they may have about 300,000 left. At 37, they will down, be down to just 25,000 or 2.5% of the starting count. That matters because the fewer eggs in the ovaries, the lower the odds for conception. Even if women do get pregnant, 
the older eggs are more likely to have abnormal chromosomes, which may raise the chance of miscarrying the baby. Also, women after 35 are more likely to have problems like endometriosis and uterine fibro fibrosis that make it harder for them to get pregnant. I also found some information about men, but they are not as bad as for women. Apparently, the quality of the, sp the partner's sperm also matters, of course. But as men age, their sperm tend to swim lower and begin to lose their shape. But here's the catch. The sperm quality doesn't drop steeply until after men enter their 60s, people. 60s. Well, another fact that makes us wonder about gender equality, right? Miranda and I also talked about divorce, since both of us come from divorced parents. I had to do some research about the rate of divorce, and I focus on the U.S. It was quite hard to find specific numbers because there are many variables and different ways to combine and analyze data. Nonetheless, it seems like the rates of divorce are around 40 to 50% in the U.S., but it seems like they have been declining. I found a research study that analyzed a few aspects. That research specifically came from the University of Maryland by the professor Philip Cohen. Here's some interesting findings. They found that from 28 to 2016, the U.S. divorce rate dropped by 18%. And they were questioning what was causing this downward trend. And what they found is that the overall drop has been driven entirely by younger women. Who knew, huh? Since the 90s, the prevalence of divorce for people under the age of 45 appears to level off, where it continues to rise for people over the age of 45. The author called the drop at all the more remarkable given that the Americans have become more accepting of getting divorced and living together before marriage, which seems to make a huge difference. It makes sense. He also says that one of the reasons for the decline is that married population is getting older and more highly educated. Again, folks, education, education, education. This study also showed that newly married women are now more likely to be in their first marriages more likely to have a bachelor degree or a higher education, and less likely to be the, under the age of 25. Also less likely to have own children in the household, which they found can affect the risk of divorce. They also found that marriage is a more and more achievement of status rather than something that people do regardless of how they're doing. It seems like couples are waiting until they're more economically stable to marry. And for um, some poor Americans might not marry at all. That's a, something that studies suggest, which seems that it's not fair, but it seems to be the reality. The trends they describe in the paper, it seems to represent the progress toward a system in which marriage is rarer and more stable than it was in the past and represent an increasing central component of the structure of so social inequality. So again, Many, many layers on that, but some interesting facts. Now to a completely different topic. When we were talking about shaving and waxing and what to do, what not to do, and how painful waxing is, at least in my experience, in Brazil, and maybe here too, I'm not sure, when we are growing up from a very young age, 
We learned that shaving makes the hair grow thicker and faster, while waxing does the opposite. So it kind of gets engraved in our brain that we need to wax. Well, from my research, it seems like that's a myth. It seems like when you shave, the blade cuts a sharp edge on the hair, and it is often make it look like there is a thickest point of the shaft of the head, the hair, and it gives the false impression that it's thicker. But it's just a thicker feeling. It's not really real. And it also appears darker. So I guess that's why we think that. In terms of hair growth and thinking now practically and logistically, it makes no sense that your hair is going to grow faster just because you trimmed it. Because that's what you're doing when you shave. You're trimming the hair. So, yeah, it's true. It doesn't grow faster. It doesn't affect hair growth at all. So, again, another myth. Um, however, I did find here that waxing from a very young age could possibly make you have less hair when you are an adult. However, that does not happen for everybody. Certainly did not happen for me. And waxing might just be a painful experience. Well, that's all we have for today, my friends. Those were all the honest mistakes we made. I hope you enjoyed immensely this podcast. I'm actually inside of my closet right now because my assistant did tell me that the sound records better inside of the closet. Or maybe she was just pranking me. Either way, you worked because here I am in between my clothes. I hope you have enjoyed the podcast today and I am looking forward to talking to you again next time. See you. Bye-bye.